I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit penfed.org slash powercash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. I'm just a postman. I'm just a postman. Oh, baby, I'm just a postman. Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Second Season, Drawing Room Conversation, with the two of the most awesomest and coolest people I know. I know the adjectives don't exist, but I don't mind because there is no other way to describe Hindu or Aditi. Our goal for this season is simple. Discuss some topics that are drawing room conversation worthy because, believe it or not, such uncomfortable topics are everyday struggles for many of us. Some battle body shaming, some caste-related fears, some for their gender and some sexuality. We, as a society, do not really understand the implications of subjecting someone to such bullying. It affects their entire life, starting from their mental health, by quashing their confidence to do even a small task. Some eventually harm themselves physically, not in terms of self-harm, but going through insane dietary restrictions. Some have staples on their stomach to control food intake. Anorexia and bulimia are two such eating disorders that we have already covered in our last season that are ruining so many individuals' lives. For today's discourse, we have a special friend, Bharat. Bharat Nandibatla is a business analyst and a poet. He writes under the pen name Landlocked Sailor. The ocean is a constant muse in his work, and his poetry often takes a reader by the hand and walks them through the unfathomable depths of life. Hi, Bharat. Welcome to the show. It's such a pleasure to have you with us. Hi, my lord. That was a great intro, and uh, yeah, thanks for having me here. Hope we do um, the justice to that. To set the episode's context, shaming people because of their body shape, size, color, is so deeply rooted in our society that we don't really notice sometimes when someone is being bullied for these reasons. It happens in our own households. Our families do to us all the time. You're too fat, you'll not get a good husband. Use turmeric, it'll help you become fair. It's a problem that needs to be identified in the first place, as most of us don't even understand that it's a problem. How do we reconcile with this fact? And how do we make people aware of the latent problem it brings along with it? Bharat, if you don't mind jumping in. Yeah. So, uh, so first up, I think I wanted to talk about uh, what this is in the title, like drawing room conversations. What I particularly like about it is how we talk about those uh, taboos or topics which are not so often talked about. So I think if anything, these are withdrawing room conversations, like a lot of people withdraw from the conversation. Uh, but uh, I think I really like how this is about and coming to the uh, what we had to talk about. Um, I think uh, I have only heard about body shaming and fat shaming on the internet. Uh, earlier, I just thought that is how it is meant to be for people on the south side of things. Like I was a very south kid at school. And um, honestly, I thought this is something I need to go through. And it's like there's no two ways about it. And I... Maybe after school, probably I did think that I was bullied as a kid, uh, but I still didn't know that 
if there's a legit name to it like there's a, a legit label to it like for uh, like body shaming or fat shaming so i had to go through it my pressure of things that way and uh, i was actually i i considered myself a closet dancer like i used to dance behind closed doors i used to enjoy doing it there was a time where i actually wanted to make a career out of it and i think to this day i still can't uh, dance when there are people around because of certain uh, experiences as a kid uh like there was just we used to have this uh, fun fair or you could call it a fancy fest in our school it was an annual uh, event and we used to have a jukebox and all of these things so they they would just pay and anyone could, could just volunteer and dance and there would be people watching you and i think it was in my class 9 when i really gathered everything in me to go and just dance my heart out and i had people mm. laughing initially i thought they were cheering for me Right. but uh, it it was funny to them that uh, someone who is out as me back then uh, just dancing and they just found it funny and to this date i am still scarred with it like every time i i try to dance even when there are like one or two people around i it just comes back to me so i think it's it's a very deep rooted uh, insecurity which most of us do and i'm i'm sure i'm not the only one having gone through this i understand yeah so uh, when you said you had you, you were bullied initially in the childhood in school and later on uh, you you wanted to dance so how was the experience like when you were being bullied or when you faced such kind of uh, stupid uh, people so how was yeah. it like did you recognize yeah. it at the child when you were kid how did you tackle it no, absolutely not i didn't recognize it like i said i thought this is what i'm supposed to go through for being fat Oh. this is what i'm supposed to do something that's beyond my control uh oh. i i wouldn't say i was fat to be very honest uh, but i think you know uh cool uniforms do do that to you uh, but yeah. uh, i don't, yeah and i i just wasn't uh, comfortable with myself and every time someone would uh, so there was this i still remember one of my uh, classmates used to call me uh, banda so that's mm. a telugu word boulder uh, uh, yep. you know a large rock yeah so they used to call me banda and uh, yeah if i just walk into the class and they're like okay yeah he and banda and that so right. these were the kind of things and I, i thought okay this is something i need to go through and i i obviously I did nothing about it like i wouldn't uh, so one thing i'm happy about is i didn't you know stop, stop eating or uh, i i think i have a huge appetite so i didn't uh, make any changes about it i just went about it the way i want and i was a very uh, active athlete i was into a lot of sports So, oh. and as much as i was uh, confident that it is not inhibiting what i want to do like what i want to play uh, it didn't bother me but every time someone would use his remarks against me i think it did bother me and it would stay with me for a very long time so since we were talking about how i tackled it uh, what i realized over time is any deep rooted insecurity it's been it's been there it's been planted in your subconscious not just your conscious but subconscious from mm. from the time you knew how the world is right? right and anything that has taken so long to grow up inside you takes that long to leave you as it's not that easy like like they say the like they say the first impression is the best impression but the last impression you have is the lasting impression right so the last impression you have of you is being right. called banda at school so it's not that easy to just just shed that shed those it's much easier to shed those calories than to shed these insecurities very honest so i think we are all in a in life we are, as humans we are all in a cycle of conditioning and unconditioning so 
for me i felt i need to be more kind towards the unconditioning part of it towards the unlearning part of it because that's the only way i can come into terms with who i am as a person and then there was uh, like along with my body weight the other thing that used to bother me was uh, i was so again from from where i come from in south india especially mm-hmm. uh, face kind of visuals are <clears throat> valued more for some right. reason Right. So when I was born, I was uh, fair, fair skinned, and I think over time, adulting or what you miss, what you say, I'm more on the duskier side of people now. Mm-hmm. And every time I go to social gathering or I go to uh, uh, some festival where we all all are related to meet up, they have this sense of sympathy on their face. They just look at me. They there's this slight sympathetic head tilt, and they're like, okay, you know what? You can detan yourself this way, or you know, you can <laughs> use this like unsolicited, unsolicited skin advices and. I was actually a victim of it. Like I remember in my class eleven and twelve, I used to wash my face like ten, fifteen times a day, and that's oh, absolutely unhealthy. And I was also suffering from acne. It was a genetic issue for me. Mm-hmm. So I just used to uh, pick up any product that is there, and I would just uh, like use it for ten, fifteen times a day. And that's not at all healthy because it fills out all the pores on your skin and on your face. You can yes. get dry. It, it does all sorts of things to you. Yes. But you know what I realized is. these products are filling the voids on my skin but not in that in my hey. mind right like yeah, yeah it, it, that vacuum is not that easy to fill so after none of these work i i realized as humans the first starters we need external validation i have been practical about it like mm-hmm. while looking for validation is not always the healthiest thing but for someone who is battling an insecurity it's important that you get that sort of validation from people to care so my brother and a few other friends that i had made mm-hmm. back then were very supportive and they just used to boost my morale by talking about how i am good at various other things despite what i was going through right. so i think that really helped me put it in the back seat and move on with what i have and yeah it's such a beautiful point of uh, validation from your close friends family and especially parents and siblings does so much good to you when they tell you that no you are good whatever no matter what people other people say uh indu uh, do you want to chip in do you want to come and i was just you know i was just when i was listening to bharat i was just drawing a lot of parallels to how mm. you know we we all have faced it right mm. like i even i used to dance like as a kid i have a lot of photographs until i was like you know maybe 10 12 years old and then suddenly like you know as a girl i was considered too fat to go on stage so they literally stopped like you know the school or the management wherever it was like even when i went to audition people would say why are you here because there was on the web side so you know everybody goes through this but there is no end to this cycle it keeps happening right if everybody right. is going through it then why is you know why aren't we putting a stop to it already like i think it's because uh, bharat said right he used to think that this is something that he has to go through for being fat so it is so yes. normal in our society we to feel that it. yes exactly. i am black so i'll yeah. get bullied i am bald so i'm going to get bullied i'm fat i'm going to get bullied the ridiculous high standards that media and the movie industries have set up for us so any abnormality or any anomaly from the any a small diversion from the normal is just not acceptable 
true. So very is. true. And like when Bharat said the external validations, how they matter. Like usually people you know like they really uh, make it a fact like you know you're you're never supposed to seek validation from outside. Always find it inside, which is true. But like he said, the support system really matters. And when he was talking about the support system, I always thought about people who were you know kind to me. And I think you know that kindness comes with the experiences we face. because we don't want another person to be in the you know same spot as where we were put at absolutely and i think uh, body shaming in terms of facing or experiencing uh, the ridiculous comments from friends and families i think are more for uh, a more gender related or gender specific i'm i'm correct me if i'm wrong i think women have to go through even more so than men uh because apparently the onus of getting a good husband is on the women uh without even asking their preferences or whatever it is but um i think in we have indu who should be telling us a little bit more about the experience that generally women have uh and go through i mean i think we did touch upon this topic in the previous episode and one we thing did. i i realized yeah we did one thing i realized is how we you know like there are a certain set of gender oriented expectations like you're supposed to look like this if you're a girl like you're supposed to shave your legs or you're supposed to wear makeup you're not supposed to wear too much makeup like there are so many you know rule books to follow and they're all conflicting as a person for example like i generally tend to sweat a lot so i don't mm. prefer wearing makeup unless otherwise i feel like it like right. i know i'm going to wear you know a particular event where i'll have you know uh, ac and everything so i'll feel comfortable with makeup otherwise i choose not to wear makeup because of you know how i am as a person i tend to sweat a lot and i'm not comfortable using products but then i get judged mm you know why don't you wear makeup like you know why don't you wear makeup for a uh, like a work party because i don't want to why should i be wearing and then when a woman wears it i hear those comments to where they say why is she wearing so much you know so much of makeup yeah like people are not happy with anything yeah it's like at the end of the day either way they're not to be you know nobody is going to be happy about how i look i might as well be happy about how i look and do what i know i feel most comfortable with that's how it ends up so madhav and indu yep. just to touch upon what you guys were talking about uh, unrealistic and impractical standards for female beauty yeah uh, there was yep. this people by namu will where she talks about Uh, I think if I had to exactly quote what she said, uh, she says that a culture fixated on female thinness or you know uh, the standard that we set for female beauty, it's not as much as an obsession, but it's more about female obedience. Like we've been through such a patriarchal uh, backstory in our society that dieting or any of this sort, like they this was imposed upon mm. them as a yardstick for their obedience than just about. how they look or all of these you know and that to me is more haunting and more disturbing than what the consequence of it like the root cause the reason why this these standards were set i think that is more disturbing very on and i don't know when i read this line uh, by her i was just like startled i it was like a wake up call no i think you brought in a very uh, crucial point here and it is so true that you know it it's men who have set standards how women should look and in fact the uh, feministic movement or body shaming movement or all these things have started because it was very claustrophobic for the ones who were facing it because it was almost impossible to rise up to the standards set by men in the society it started with white men for white women and then blacks and then different cultures and 
many cultures have started parallelly uh, fighting against it um yeah i i it's such a crucial point thanks for bringing that up yes and it, it's not just about this culture um, mm-hmm. mirroring mm-hmm. Uh, like movies or any sort source of entertainment was meant to mirror the cultures but these days what they do is they magnify and multiply what you see in the culture like for example most of the female comedians back in uh, back when i was a kid i think it's changing the uh, it's changing now but back then most of them were it, it, they resorted to slapstick comedy and it was about men or women with physical abnormality or more than more than saying that uh, with people who were not to the majority stereotype who were not belonging to the majority you know so i think given uh, mm-hmm. what you said about uh, movies and all changing this it it boils down to that as so, so i i'm sorry uh, in the no 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 please don't be you, you can chip in it agree to your point in the movie slapstick comedy even now telugu movies if you pick up any telugu movie wherever there is dramananda or uh, or all these i mean honestly speaking i'm naming them out but if you see the comedy that they have in movies it's basically slapstick it's to put someone down it's to showcase their dark skin it's to showcase their big paunch it's to showcase their dark circles under their eyes and what have you their short heights and it just and the hero just shows his dominance by slapping every tom dick and harry around him every person around him is a slave to the hero in the telugu industry and it's just glorified characters on the movie which you know uh, in in fact uh, how you, how you just said slapstick comedy there was a movie uh, recently that had come where the hero in a school in a college picks up a fat chick and asks her to sit next to the uh, his his girlfriend the lead actor saying this is this yeah. is going to be a perfect uh, this thing nobody is going to come uh, you know because this this fat chick is going to stop everything that is going to come towards his girlfriend which is so ridiculous and it's 2021 it still goes on the i, kind I of would like is... to add something here uh, i'm sorry to cut in but yes, when you said that you know that movie especially when i was watching that movie it hit me so hard because that is not just in the movie because i have faced it in real life and when a movie on that scale Mm. reiterates mm. that says it's okay to do that especially for a lead you know like actor who has this huge fan following where people like literally imitate everything they are you know their favorite stars do these days mm. for a movie to do that is problematic quite problematic because i pictured uh, you know a 13 year old uh, kid who is obese somewhere sitting and watching this movie and feeling horrible about herself that's the image i got in my mind that's why this should change absolutely right. no i agree exactly. yeah go ahead bharat yeah that, that, what you said that's exactly what i want to talk about like in they're just not mirroring what the society is but they're magnifying and multiplying it like when you see it on a movie that like supposed to be a commercial hit across the country you do, you have you have no reason but to believe that whatever they're saying is right and true right and uh, like what you said just now about a 13 year old kid mm. thinking about watching it and thinking uh, or feeling horrible about herself or himself it's it's because of how widely that notion is accepted by the society like how why how a widely accepted notion that is right and absolutely know, I mean, I have, 
yeah yeah and i think like even even to bring in a little bit of pointers from the tamil film industry like there are female comedians who have an excellent sense of you know humor and timing uh, to name a few maybe aarti vidyuleka two female comedians who are you know in a lot of films but what happens is whenever they are there the narrative is all about fat shaming them and that is considered yeah. to be a sense of humor like literally when the you know when the comedian just walks there is the, in the background there is the sound of elephants trumpeting and that's supposed to be humor how yep and the even these the lead actors who we think are slim and trim and perfectly shaped our flawless bodies if you actually look into their real lives not the real lives you will understand how messed up even their real lives are because most of them are suffering with one or the other sort of uh body dysmorphia because all the movies are post produced they shoot at a location with all the uh lighting and camera angle possible with a nice background but the editor and the editor is going to sit and put up special special effects and everything to make the models or the lead actors look more glamorous they use filters they post produce the movie and or a picture and we don't know for a simple photo shoot for let's say in to name leading actors let's say deepika padukone or anil kapoor's daughter in fact i mean anil kapoor's daughter had a video once uh, where she showed how long does it take for her to get made up yes and before and after yeah. photos of hers and she came ahead and said this is how i look before the makeup so please don't think that i look so beautiful looking at me in the pictures and you know start thinking which is a good thing i say I, i i believe it's a good thing that you know celebrities are coming ahead coming forward and shooting and posting their pictures telling people to you know cast caution to the things happening around um i would uh, go turn by turn to bharat and indu i want your opinions on how social media and how movie industry we talked about movie industry but how social media is affecting our daily lives yeah it's a really good uh, thing that you brought in the social media angle because uh, even the other day I was reading about this term called you know snapchat dysmorphia and it was quite new to me and i i decided to like you know google more and then it ended up you know i ended up finding out people are more you know wanting to look like uh, social media filters in real life like they actually approach surgeons to you know get their face or the look altered to look like snapchat filters i mean i i don't know how to react to that because like especially you know the teenagers who are on you know snapchat and instagram a lot they are starting to know they are starting to uh, like uh, you know over fixate on uh, maybe a flaw or a scar or you know acne on their face and yeah. they want everything to look perfect it's not just you know people are like looking at uh, media you know maybe magazine covers anymore but this is literally become a part of everyday life where an average teenager is said to click at least 25 selfies today wow yes 25 so selfies a day yeah 25 to 30 selfies a day and an average selfie on snapchat like for a you know popular profile gets like 300 likes and how good you look everything but that's not their real face it's this altered face with the filter so <laughs> the the line between reality and fantasy gets blurred here right so people are not ready to look at them for how they actually look no true you're right 
so this unrealistic expectations you know like the, over a period of time when uh, you know when someone keeps using these filters they forget how they actually look and for people who don't want to use these filters they their you know self esteem takes a hit because everybody else is looking perfect out there when they are not in their head at least yeah so it becomes this vicious cycle and where do you put a pass to this there is no putting a pass to it yes i don't think so exactly i i even i don't think so but i think it's important to address this topic because i'm pretty sure like maybe you know a decade back this term wouldn't even have made sense you know snapchat dysmorphia there are so many new terms coming up and so much of research that's going on and like these are not just you know like based on independent research or anything but actual medical journals about this topic are coming up i agree and i don't think it is easy to uh you know catch up or be abreast of all these new terminologies because with the advent of technology and with the continuous you know ev- ev- evolution of technology every single day snapchat dysmorphia didn't even exist a few years ago now i don't know how exactly. many dis- other types of dysmorphias and other types of mental health issues would have arisen because of the technology that we are using the social media that we are using we know the major ones like sleep problems you know all these things come because of sleep uh, social media but something like snapchat dysmorphia an average person a normal office going person or school going person wouldn't know but they're experiencing it that is what baffles me here they don't know that yes. it exists but a huge part of the population is already a victim of it i mean i think coining the name comes after experiencing the <laughs> problem but true. Uh, quite true <laughs> i think it's about them cashing in on our insecurities and vulnerability which is why we are often unaware of it because most of the right. time someone feels our vulnerability we don't know we don't see that coming because we are very much inside being gobbled up in that web of uh, our insecurities we hardly realize someone is already thriving on you know i think right. that that's where snap that on or most of the filters come in and uh, what indu said just reminded me of this woman who went to a cosmetic surgeon just to make sure that her face looks like that of angela so oh. i don't know if you've heard of this recently i think uh, she had a major medical condition because of whatever she made a uh, change she had made to her skin so it's not just uh, it's it's life threatening to say the least like this dysmorphia and the, where you feel like you may need to meet certain unrealistic standards i think this it's like threatening and uh, off late i have been hitting the gym lately because uh, i've been working from home for a long time now and i feel very lethargic and i wanted to understand my body properly to know what i need to do about it and i kept start uh, i started watching and following certain uh, fitness youtubers or fitness influencers on instagram and even some yoga instructors and while i really appreciate what they're doing uh, while i really appreciate what they're doing and how they are giving away advices and really timely suggestions to people who need it to me the motive matters just as much like i do see this caption do you want to see have a nicely shaped butt then you do this if you want to have a broad chest then do this mm-hmm. now uh, reminds me of what mahatma gandhi used to say like uh, in a totally different context you once said that the means matters as much as the end but here Hmm. i feel the ends matter as much as me like it's not about what you're doing but also why you're doing like let's say you're working out uh, you're doing uh, you're squatting and what are you doing it for like is it about how you want to reach a certain fitness goal you've set for yourself or is it about reaching a standard someone else set for the majority of the population 
like what if that particular person you are trying to emulate or be has been born with it and they really didn't have to work their way through right so these kind of unrealistic standards which are totally dependent on individual body types and body notions and belief systems it's not fair for each of us to try and emulate that and why are we doing it because we feel like that is the most widely accepted notion that this is perfect this is beautiful this is mm. sexy this is hot so mm. i think we need be aware of our body and uh, sorry to again extend this uh, but i feel like a body is a tool it's it's as much a tool to carry out what our inner core in, intends to do it's like uh, you have a, a vena mm-hmm. and strength right now mm-hmm. uh, for the for the vena you need the air the air, air box uh, and the wooden wooden framework and the strings all of these three are important to make it sound the way it does and i feel like i want to draw a perfect analogy between uh, body mind and soul here like your soul is that air box because without it you wouldn't be able to resonate and that wooden framework is your body now any any changes that are done to the wooden framework will make it sound different so it is important for you to understand what your body is what your wooden framework is and what is the kind of tune you want to play with it so your mind are your strings you, so you're pulling this this things inside your head and you need to make sure that your body is in alignment with it so it's it, it, i don't know like when people speak of yoga the actual origin of the word is yoga mm-hmm. means it's a synthesis of body soul and mind so we need to value each of these three things equally well and you need to understand and integrate each of these aspects into your core and your body is just as vital there and one more thing is when we talk about body positivity it's also important to know that when a person does a certain change to the body it is equally valid for them to do it without being judged because what if the body that you are born with is not something you identify with so you go mm. and make certain change okay it's not for anyone to judge them for that decision like let's say they have a mohawk okay or they make some weird changes to their uh, hairstyle or their skin or piercings anything or tattoos okay now that should not be judged upon that is just a, uh, as much a way to body positivity as any anything else because they identify themselves as that and they want to look like it so mm. it's all about ex- confidence and security and uh, love towards your body in whatever way you deem fit so i don't think uh, that's one more thing i just wanted to bring uh, shed light on when we talk about body positivity because how each person feels positively towards their body is different and we need to respect each and every one of them equally it's there's no one way to feel positive about a body there's no one way to feel uh, there's no one way to integrate all your aspects at once so oh yeah sorry i went on a monologue there but no no please don't be sorry come on you, that, that's yeah. that's the whole point you brought in so many points in fact uh, i so completely so many points true i completely agree with you where i mean major stark difference in the uh, comparison that you picked up uh, of veena and human body veena is man made human human body is given to us and it has everything that it takes for it to you know function every single day it it when it sleeps when you sleep it releases you know it cleanses the body with all the toxins when you sleep your digestion works uh, your body goes on sleep it's so many things so much science i mean we don't need to go into the science and details of it but it's already there and if you do not realize the potential of the body and try to reach to some you know uh ridiculous expectations of the society or you want to look like rithik roshan or tom cruise 
it's not going to be possible for every single one of us so having a realistic ex- uh, goal or an expectation is is so important and to understand what your body limitations are people say there is no limit i agree but having said that there is an underlying theme that there is a limit do not push your body listen to your body i agree that there Very is no true. limitation like, yeah very true like you know like i really like how we are redefining body positivity itself in this uh, episode like body positivity is not just about how you look right it's about how you feel absolutely about your own body absolutely even the tattoos expression with tattoos it's it's, it's an expression how people relate to like bharat was mentioning it's such a great point like you will see and people there are two uh schools of thought right some people hate having tattoos on their body because people get tattoos when they're young but the skin sags and you grow old and you know it looks a little um untouched and undone when when you grow old but still who cares it's the person who has had a tattoo on their body they relate to it why are exactly. we commenting it's on like- it yeah it's like you can you know hate having a tattoo on your body but you cannot hate having someone else having it on their body that's not your you know thing to comment upon it's someone else's personal boundary absolutely and then then the then it comes you know with the uh, unsolicited advice that comes through it you, you know you have a tattoo don't have a tattoo you have i know bharat has touched upon the unsolicited advice in the beginning but our society is full of unsolicited advice and i keep seeing hindus posts on instagram thanking people for their unsolicited advices and no we don't want them why yeah. do you think is there a need to have give these unsolicited advices to people yeah i would say like you know maybe people feel bad about themselves so mm-hmm. they take it out like because unsolicited opinions uh, i don't believe they come from a place of self love or abundance they come because someone mm. is not happy with themselves they are not able to change that about that so they are going to you know they are, they are transferring that insecurity to someone else it basically transferring that suffering because mm. i remember i called you last week right like i just yep. got back from my morning job and i had this man out of nowhere like when i was taking right. my scooter from the parking lot approach me and tell me like this 30 40 year old man tell me what i can do to lose weight on my hips i did not need that from a stranger in the middle of the road and what makes them think you know they have that uh, no they can take the privilege of giving me an unsolicited weight loss advice earlier it used to affect me i used to internalize it thinking okay i am a fat person so you know everybody else will give an advice and i'll have to take it but the truth is i don't have to because i know what i'm doing i know what i'm you know i'm doing what's best for my body like i'm i'm literally coming from a morning jog feeling motivated energetic ready to take on a work day and this person what he is doing is is actually going to affect me it's not going to help me it's a setback so i give it back to him yeah it's a setback i mean after yeah, having a, a nice yeah after having a very like you know protective uh, workout session like you know having uh, going for a jog like i did two rounds two rounds of sprints and i was feeling energetic i don't need that from him and earlier i used to internalize it but for the first time what i did was like i actually surprised myself doing it i told him i don't remember asking for your advice and the moment i said that he became insecure mm, mm. he did not know how to take it forward so i told him you know like 
no matter like you know don't go around giving free advices unless someone asks you for it understand that first respect if, their boundaries if we actually start thinking about the space they are coming from like anyone who's giving unsolicited advices like when i think about it i feel like it either comes from a space of concern but the problem here would be that you and they uh, like both of you are not in the same on the same page when it comes to your dynamic like let's say uh, it's one of your uh, friends i wouldn't call them close friends like one of your acquaintances is coming to you and giving you unsolicited advice out of concern uh, but you don't have that kind of a rapport with them so as much as they say it's mm. out of concern since not on the same page it would seem like it the second thing is the, usually i've seen uh, all men uh, all i mean humans as, as such we have a certain percent of savior complex in us let's say that and we uh like especially when you don't get enough attention to what you say growing up you tend to make these unsolicited advices that much more because you are in hope that someone would at least pay heed to what you're saying hmm. and i'm just talking about space the different spaces it could come from and there's this third space where people just say it because they have to utter something and while none of these are wrong from the space that they are saying it from when i said not wrong i i mean just from 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 their end like they could mean no harm like of course there would there would be certain uh, uh, people who are like professional gas lighters but i'm talking about the other people and yeah. they might not mean harm but it harms us in a certain way and we like uh, hindu goes for a morning jog and we do the things we do for like getting some endorphins into our body and stuff like that and then we when we hear comments like these it just Uh, takes us back to where we started, and it just uh, we are already battling these insecurities, and uh, it spirals us down to where we started from. So I think that's where it all uh, bundles up, and that's where it all gets really tricky for us. Yeah, I think Bharat brought a very you know brought a very valid point. So it's yeah. it's not just about this cancel culture, you know, like someone gives you unsolicited advice and you immediately call them out in the public. No. Mm. like you know like you said sometimes it could be coming from you know from a place of concern but it's it's important there are two aspects to it like one do you have that rapport to you know say that to that person like if it is a family yeah. member a close friend who has been through you know who has been with me through take and then then i know it's coming from a place of concern but you know for a stranger to stop you in the middle of the road and you know to give you that they definitely don't have the rapport and when that happens how to face it is like you're allowed to you know say no i'm not taking that from you right which is very important because i was not told i could say this as a kid i was told i have to take it mm i have to take unsolicited opinions but no i i i get to decide you know which advice or which opinion i take and from whom i take it and i i have the right to say no and this is not one you know one off thing i remember like every time i step into a like you know maybe any beauty product shop or you know self care products there are sales people approaching me like without me asking anything giving me a cream saying it will help me become fair hmm i i don't want to become fair i like how i look i, I genuinely like dusky skin hmm as unpopular as that opinion could be i i really love my dusky skin hmm. and it took a lot to reach this point yeah that's a very valid yeah. point the way we reinforce these unsolicited advices actually turns the tables for us is what i felt because uh i'm talking about a particular relative of mine who always like uh, i again i'm just revisiting what i said in the start of the conversation that sympathetic head tilt and giving me ways to uh, get my complexion better or 
I was I, I, I'm I'm not at the tallest of people. So as a kid, also they used to say, hey, you know what? Uh, just go ahead and uh, uh, like, why don't you try some pull-ups? That would make you feel better and all these things. But now, uh, when the same relative comes to me or meets me in a, a social gathering and talks to me about how I can improve certain aspects of my body, I started telling them in the way they can understand that you know, uh, yeah, like I'm doing all I can to feel more positive about my body, and I thank you for your answer. Now, of course, when I did say it, I didn't mean it because there was this inner rage in me that why am I getting this unsolicited advice? But I had to pretend that I don't, and I had to say this out loud. Uh, now, why it seemed pretentious to me at the moment, at the moment when I said it, I realized how that changed things about uh, our dynamic. Like now, I think over the past few months, whenever we meet, uh, her her kid actually comes to me and talks to me about how she feels about her. And you know, it's when you exude that kind of confidence and that kind of comfort about your body, it's contagious. So whatever we feel, that's is that much infectious, right? So if you feel confident about your body when someone is trying to, uh, you know, whip you down, uh, I think that has that much more effect. So I wouldn't say I wouldn't say you should always be polite and kind and how you respond to it. But if you do uh, take a step back and think about why they said it and respond in a way they would understand, I think it will change things. Like instead of normalizing it or anti-normalizing it, it's better to accept it and tell them what it takes practice. Now uh, the relative mm-hmm. herself didn't uh, come back to me or uh, didn't change her notions about it, but her kid feels a different way about herself, and that to me is a victory, and that to me is a turning of the table. So. Yeah, it's equally as important how we respond to these unsolicited advice. Absolutely, I yes. I think there yeah. isn't some on one side there is a misplaced sense of entitlement, and the other side there is the victim who is facing these stupid uh, allegations or not allegations, uh, stupid comments. So I think yeah, Bharat, you brought in a very good point where you know it's it's also if the victim can think and respond in a way. But then again, it's uh, it, it brings in another point where it says, "Is it the victim's responsibility?" The first thing is the perpetrator's job. But I I agree. There's an, there are a lot of ways to solving an issue, and there is no one way or right way to do the thing. And personally speaking, no, I, I do believe I have... in. No, I, I agree with you. Personally speaking, I do believe in being empathetic on both the sides. But you know, it's it's spontaneous. The comments, the rage, the inner answer, they come naturally. They come on the, at the spur of the moment. And at that time, if it is anger, it is anger. We need to embrace it. And it is completely, uh, you, know, it, you know, the person, the victim doesn't have to uh, explain themselves why they reacted the way they react. Um, no, absolutely. I, I agree with you. Like, uh, not every victim would respond to this the same way. And to be very honest, even when I said this to my relative, maybe subconsciously I was actually talking from a space of privilege because whatever I was bullied for earlier, those things have changed about me. So maybe I was actually speaking from a uh, space of privilege, but there would be cases where the victim is still going through that or the victim is still bottled and boggled by that insecurity and they would not be able to respond the same way. And they're not uh, meant or they're not supposed to respond that way either. Like, like you said, it's a perpetrator's fault here, and I don't know what it takes to get this into the perpetrator's mind that this is how you're supposed to look at things. So whoever has 
uh, either battled it or has uh, uh, given it a back seat if they are able to respond and take one for the team i think at least that would be a start for the change but again I like think, you said yeah no, i think that's a very valid point uh, you know no like when you said yeah 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 like i said like what mother said is like no victim is entitled to not entitled not uh, no victim is supposed or they're bound to uh, respond a certain way and educate the perpetrator no it's not the onus is not on you the onus is on them to become a better human being Yeah, I, I think, think this is where representation, you know, really matters. Mm, you know, in media true. or like, you know, be it uh, the toys that kids use, for example. Because, like, you both have been, you know, saying it. It cannot the victim or someone who is, you know, facing abuse cannot always be in a space to preach self love or body positivity because they are already going through a lot. So this is where this, you know, representation comes in and. where like you know the different way that people look is a look is incorporated into the products or the toys that kids especially use because i remember reading how recently like barbie dolls is a obsession obsession with young girls right so the company uh, i think mattel uh, which uh, you know like designs this barbie dolls and everything they came up with this versions where there are barbie was uh, barbies who are you know who are like barbie dolls in wheelchair dolls without hair or you know maybe barbie dolls with uh, the skin condition called vitiligo where mm. there are like you know white patches on someone's skin so yeah. these things really really matter for children to feel like they belong in this world like you know we don't want any kid feeling like an outcast because they grow up to be either insecure adults or bullies it can go out either way wow so you know in, in order to create mm. that belongingness this representations really 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 matter Absolutely. And there is so much happening. Yeah, mm. and there is so much happening. Like, if we are willing to, you know, like uh, join in this movement and, like, actually look for, you know, be a part of the solution instead of being a part of the problem, it all boils down to little things we can do as common people. Like personally, I have seen a lot of small, you know, small businesses run by acid attack survivors. Like there is this uh, yeah. cafe in Chennai. I think uh, even Bharat we checked it out once. The Writers Cafe we went. so they actually employ victims of acid attacks and you know fire accidents and they they are trying to make these people independent they are giving them an opportunity a second chance at life and to feel good about themselves and what a common person can do is actually support those initiatives recommend it to the friends in your close circle absolutely yeah absolutely i think and i was going to say uh, the stories out there how to put the sense into the perpetrators put this thought into the perpetrators is by putting more stories out there more people coming and talking more drawing room conversations happening that's the only way uh, it it can be drilled into the perpetrators mind into the society saying hey we exist and we have a heart and mind and we do feel bad when such comments are thrown at us so mind your tongue it's not only think when you uh, talk in in business settings in office settings in schools It's with everyone, and yeah, mother, I had two points to make. One mm, on right. what Hindu said, what what you just said. So Hindu, when you talked about uh, people who've been bullied, they either turn out to be really insecure as people or bullies, right? I don't know. It resonated yeah. with me on levels that I couldn't fathom. Like for example, if you know me, uh, you know that I my initial reflex to anything is passive aggressiveness. You know that, like passive aggressiveness. Yes. So yes. that's my go-to. and if i look back and if i think about why that was that is my reflex it's because uh, so when you pass away because you basically don't talk or you just don't talk it out you just wait for them to you 
they, you find ways to get to them or find ways to uh, get them to talk to you, realizing that it is their mistake, although it's not, right? Now, the reason mm-hmm. if I look at why I, this is my initial reflex, it's because as a kid, since I was targeted or I was bullied or for whatever reason, uh, whatever I say wouldn't get a lot of attention. So I, what I used to think is, okay, I'm not going to say much because I'm not going to, they're not going to pay heed to it. Let them respond to it or let them realize and come back to it, come back to this mindset themselves. And mm. until they do so, I, I'm not going to talk to them. So this is how it started. And over the years with lots of conditioning, it just got layered and layered and layered. And now it's taken a spinal shape as passive aggression. So what insecurities you're going through or what kind of comments you have been put through as a kid impacts how you deal with any problem in life. So and to this day, I'm still battling my reflexes. Like I'm still finding ways to uh, not resort to passive aggression when I am cornered to a wall. So what Indu said makes a lot of sense. Like these could make you a really insecure human. And I, I have no shame in accepting or admitting that I am insecure, which is why I resort to passive aggression. Now it's all about what I'm going to do uh, to uh, change that about me. But again, it needs to be uh, noticed here as to why this happened because of the way I was commented on, uh, like the, the kind of comments that you at me, the kind of mm. bricks thrown at me, didn't make a wall out of it. Instead, I just built up a wall and, you know, the fences shoot up whenever someone sees it. So like they say, right, when someone throws bricks out at you to build a wall. So what I did right. was I built a wall between me and the person, which is not really healthy. So I just yeah, get I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you're aware of it as a person because that acceptance is the first step, right? Like towards the healing journey, towards the unconditioning, the acceptance yeah. that you know, we are going through something and we need to change this, you know, identifying the voices in our head or not really ours mm-hmm. is really important. Absolutely. Yeah. True. So I think we have reached the end of this episode and we have covered from voices in the head to Snapchat dysmorphia to what have you. And it's really pleasing to know that there have been such amazing points in this discussion. And I just wanted to add a little bit uh, to the last conversation that you were having, the acceptance and understanding of your body. I think there is something that nature has gifted us, which is uh, ability to change and be resilient. Like we think that some these are genetic and these cannot be changed. But in fact, these can be changed because according to science, there are genes that we inherit from our bodies, uh, from our parents, and there are genes that we inherit from the nature, which is about 90% of the genes in our body are biological genes, biomes, microbiomes from the nature. And these have something called epigenes, which is epi means above genes. So there is a layer of protein just above the genes that is very susceptible and that is always communicating with the outside environment. So it's the way we think, it's the way we respond, perceive, believe, do, act, say, changes these epigenes. And in fact, in turn, it changes the gene structure. So if you keep talking positive things, if you keep thinking good things about other people, if you think good things about Uh, the society, the environment, it has an effect on you. It changes your body type. It changes a lot of things. I'm not saying it changes your body type and not in the sense of uh, slim to fat or flat to slim or dark skin to fair skin or fair to skin. It gives your body to adapt to the changes that you're trying to bring in. And it becomes naturally more 
responsive to the changes that you're trying to bring in. So it's the voices in the head can be tuned to being more responsive, being more increase the ability to you know change your uh, reaction to those outside world. And thank you for these two amazing points, Bharat and Indu. They were really helpful, um, and I, I think this yeah. is. Uh, so before we close out, so I generally go around the table asking if I've covered all the points, and if there are any any other points that you would uh, want to talk. So uh, Bharat, since uh, you are the guest for this show, I would like to go to you first. Have we covered everything? Is there anything uh, the last two minutes quickly if we can wind up before we wind yeah, up? I've covered most of it, but I just wanted to take this opportunity to put out one something out there uh, that. Uh, I'm happy to be a part of this podcast today. Um, like and like you said earlier, that you uh, want to speak more about it or like have stories uh, to make sure that perpetrators, like you said, would think mm-hmm. a different way about. It. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here, the here's where I wanted to just make one other point is I've seen most people, uh, not just in the case of body positivity, but any other insecurity, right. uh, they they keep telling that the only way to get this sorted is to normalize it. The more you don't take offense or the more you don't take it personally is where you can have it. Basically, they ask you to develop a thick skin. But now here is where I really think we need to draw a fine line. Mm-hmm. While normalizing something is the end result, uh, like is the is a consequence. It's not how you go about things. It's a consequence. First, mm-hmm. we need to handle pressure. This goes to anything, like be it patriarchy or be it body positivity. First, you need to handle the oppression, and for that, you need to be vocal and speak up. So, if you're not vocal and speak up, and you don't speak up, and you just like stay passive to it, it's just going to be normalized, and it's going to be normalized in a way that it's still going to uh, have the same value. Like, like let's say whatever you lo- the way you're looking at a body right now, if you don't speak up against it and you just normalize it, people will think that is an accepted notion. So if, and this goes to anyone who's hearing this out there, that if you True. want to tackle an insecurity, first handle the oppression, be vocal about it, then try to normalize it. Don't skip the normalization directly. Because you're missing a huge step in between and you're normalizing the wrong thing at the end of the day. So that's just one thing I wanted to cover. Thank you. Thank you, Bharat. Thanks for this amazing point. And yes, it is a pleasure to have you on our show. Really. Indu. Yes, thank you so much for being here, Bharat. And I would just like to wrap it up with this one last thought, Madhav. Um, talking about these things is not easy, like not for us or not for anybody out there. But at the end of the day, when I sent this podcast link, you know, to my little sister, and I know that she's listening to it, then that is where you know our victory lies. We are giving you know the kids yeah. and you know the people who are going through this an opportunity to know that what is being done to them is wrong, and they need yeah. to question it. Absolutely. And and that really matters. And that's why, like, you know, your podcast, uh, the first season and the second season we are doing now, it's making a difference out there. And I'm really glad to be a part of this. Well, I'm glad I'm continuing to do this. Honestly, I never thought I would continue finish one season, start another season. I didn't I didn't expect that. But the kind of support that I've got, a few messages when I used to get the way Bharat reached out to me, the way a few people have reached out to me saying your podcast helped. You know, that's, a, that's the fuel that I uh, look for and uh, not the followership or not what, what is happening anywhere. Honestly speaking, your close friends or some, some stranger some, from somewhere who has heard the podcast comes onto the Instagram, finds me on Instagram, messages me 
they're taking so much of effort to reach out to me just to say that they've heard the podcast that is enough of fuel for me to reach out and i'm glad that there are people like you all who are supporting me in the journey so thanks indu um so guys i don't know, i'm sure you don't know but aditi is not feeling well and she cannot join us for this uh, episode uh, but she's on the call with us she's enjoying the conversation that we have had thanks aditi for being on the call and bharat special thanks to you um thank you so much yeah thanks madhu and i hope you have more seasons and reasons to keep this going thank you so much thanks i'm about In today's episode we have Kumar Pal Vardhan who is from Mumbai the city of dreams he is an excellent writer and his poetry is something that i have always related with he has this uh, condition called duchenne muscular dystrophy and let's hear it you know hear about the condition from him to understand what his life is like hi kumar pal vardhan thank you for joining us today It was a pleasure joining in Bhumati. Yeah. So, how is your day coming along? Please tell me about it. Yeah. Like today, I had uh, woken up quite late for me. It's uh, like I used to wake up around seven or eight thirty. Today, I slept off till ten or ten a.m. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, like, how are your days usually like? You know, like, what yeah, what is your no, day like? like? I wake up and then I have some food, and then I try to catch up on the notifications of last night. Huh. Yeah. Then I began working for uh, my pages. Like, I manage two pages. one on instagram and one on yoko so i get busy with those and then like as the day passes like i have lunch i spend time with my 7 uh, year old twin brother and the day day goes like that i am asleep by the time it's 12 a.m okay that's nice so you have twin brothers so <laughs> Uh, like when you know, when you talk about like duchenne muscular dystrophy and you know the people yeah. i'm sure you must be you know connected with the community of people who are you know ha- have this who have this similar condition and so what would you like yeah, to you know what do you wish was different or you know how do you think the society can help and you know make it different how can we be you know the first thing that uh, people need to understand is it it's quite rare and the second thing is that fortunately or unfortunately only men have this disorder okay yeah so like what the society can do is basically you know like help the people and the second thing is that they need to make sure there are spaces for people like us because uh, accessibility is a real issue here mm mm yeah that's what they can do because like for most students uh, who have this disorder 
it gets really difficult to have a good education and go to school because if the child is suffering from this and he is living in rural areas it can be a very difficult time for him okay so when like he basically has... i have one friend yeah. he he was he didn't get proper education because uh, the teachers didn't handle him well or i don't know what it was but he used to spend the day in the library he would not sit in the classroom okay so when you say about you know accessibility you mean like uh, accessibility in public places like educational institutions or public transport i think it's both ways okay but more often than not people who have this uh, have at least a vehicle so they can travel in the city they can travel but the problem is when they go to college or when they go to school or any other such place because the uh, most airports have accessibility there it's not an issue but in schools it still is in schools and colleges on railway stations as well okay okay i understand so how was it like for you like your school experience schooling experience growing up like uh, till about 8 uh, till about 10 years old i was doing fine except that i couldn't uh, play hide and seek or do anything that is too strange because like i couldn't run that fast and second thing i used to fall a lot so that time it was like more of a journey where everyone was careful not to push me and like they wanted me to be happy to enjoy but not uh, like push myself too much or exert myself but as i grew up like uh, as the disease started uh, taking over my body things changed like when i stopped walking people were like they wanted they wanted to know if i will ever be fine so at that time it was not much of an issue like i was like uh, i would tell what i what my mother told me so i would answer for myself so she would tell you how to you know tackle those questions difficult questions yeah she would tell me how, how to tackle those questions like, you know, like can you give uh, us an example yeah okay sometimes if i would uh, find it difficult to say she would uh, take up the mental of answering the question okay or sometimes i would just say like okay these are these are all the hard facts that way but some people used to say like okay you can go to this place or that place or you can go to this person he will help you and all that so like basically people thought it's like uh, something which will heal if not by normal doctors they would asked me to go to some spiritual places so it was that kind of thing the awareness was not there about the condition yeah, the awareness okay. was not there no at first they used to think okay like uh, this might be polio so they would ask me is it polio or is it paralysis or what okay 
yeah because this uh, condition is very rare you know one one person in about uh, one million would get this okay okay so people were not yeah, aware so is that rare. yeah not aware okay i think even i remember from you know our earlier conversations about how you know the other kids had a hard time like relating to a person with a special condition right So yeah it was our friendship was. like you know your your relationship with other kids your you know from your peer group yeah okay so most were really friendly and they wanted to help me out in stuff but uh, the ones who didn't understand me they used to try and put me down or they used to speak uh, something like uh i don't remember exactly but they used to say like you you don't do anything yourself your artwork is done by your mother you don't do anything and you just stay inside the class like that way uh, some sometimes people would say like you don't know how this world works or you are too innocent or all that that must and sometimes people would even go as far as saying that uh, you are lame or you are uh, what they call it in hindi langda or something oh my god so they used to call me that also other like if i would retort or if i would speak out that you know stop disturbing me or you are uh, you are crossing a limit or whatever so they would try to like uh, touch my nerve probably speaking okay so how do you think you know this can be helped i'm sure you know there are other kids who are dealing with special conditions who are still a part of the you know mainstream education system so how do you think these you know maybe these schools or you know how the society as a whole can help kids growing up with a special condition like um, duchenne muscular dystrophy what can the society or maybe the school management do no first thing is that so you need to teach all the students like you need to have a special class about this you know trying to educate people about how many kinds of rare diseases are there and what all situations these people have to go through or you can like if there only one child in that entire school then they have to have a special session about that person that might help like how how do you talk to this person or how you should actually ideally behave with them that kind of thing can help also you can ask the parents of that child to come and talk about it no like some people may or may not agree it's entirely up to them but uh, this might help out so at the end after all the bullying after all the mud flinging and everything it was my mother who could actually tell them tell those miscreants how to behave okay so rather than like you know having this conversations hushed up you think it should be opened up for people to understand right yeah you know you can't keep all this hidden inside curtain mm. because it's like the truth of life you know you have to 
key other people to learn how difficult it is to live a life and how you can make it easier for them true basically very true like you know if people can be just you know kind to each other i think a lot of you know issues that every individual deals with in the society will change so now that you know we are talking about this i think it also opens up our conversation to the next uh, phase of this episode so when yeah. when it comes to support system you know growing up who do you think whom do you think was your strongest support system and how did that help it was my grandfather and my mother okay. basically most more often than not because as a child as when i was growing up i was a single child and you know i used to feel shy talking on the phone i used to not talk much to people from school outside school you know i was like that kind of a person so my mother like when i used to be absent due to my medical visit to a doctor in bangalore so at the time whatever notes i used to miss my mother would call up another parent and take it from them or another uh, like one of my classmates okay she would call them and she would talk to them and get it done okay so the support and, of your parents basically okay yeah mostly it was family that. yeah and my parents decided to like help uh, me see the world so we used to travel a lot when i was younger okay so, so that way i started realizing like how how different the world is like how many people live here how they live i saw a lot so that also influenced my later life you know how to write and stuff and the second thing the third thing they did was they especially my mother she wanted me to read a lot so we'd go to crossword or any other bookstore and i would spend my time finding new books on weekend okay so when did you start reading like at what age did you get into reading i got into reading at a very young age you know the small tiny stories you used to get in those times you know small books thin small books about when i was 7 or 8 i started reading you know disney stories fairy tales my mother used to tell me at that time i started like gaining interest after that uh, from from 10 onwards 10 to 13 14 i read a lot okay. so i began with enid blyton then someone told me you should read jk rowling so that how i came across uh, harry potter in grade 8 and 9 so books were then, your window books were literally your window that opened up to the world yeah then uh, i like one of my teacher tutors introduced me to more books so i started reading classics as well you know i have charles of uh, i have i have read the oliver's twist i have read treasure island i don't know how many books i have read so, so do you think your There's love for uh, your love for writing uh, i mean reading opened up like you know made you into a writer how did writing happen yeah yeah you can say that obviously completely 
Okay, so once you started writing, I guess there was never turning back because I've personally read a lot of your works and I know the depth they carry, your poetry especially. So it actually began as a defense mechanism. Okay. Yeah, because like after, after like when the school years were coming to an end, like basically I entered 10th grade. So at that time I started thinking like how can i you know forgive myself and forgive others for what they have done to me so i started thinking about that so by the time like it came down to the last stage i wanted to you know show a mirror or something like that no like at that time i was not really sure of what to do so my tutor suggested me that you know you can give a speech or something so that time i started thinking about it you know how writing can help me so i went to the farewell and i gave it all you know i had to ask my teacher like is this a speech okay because it was not exactly you know totally it wasn't totally veiled also and it was then totally open also like what i had to say so i was a bit worried okay but at the end of the speech uh, the few people who actually got to me who actually uh, like had done a lot of wrong with me they came back came to me and said sorry and like that was the moment when i said Okay, buddy. Now I think it is time you took your word seriously. So, like when basically when people start openly talking, there is more room for conversation. You know, for each other to understand, right? I think we don't often yeah, yeah. do that, especially in India. I think you know a lot of our conversations are still closed, and you know we don't often open up. Yeah. I guess we should. No, my mother used to always tell to me that. don't think you are less you you can do things you can think things that i i have never thought of i have never done true that is true. to have that support system really helps and you know when when it comes to that um what you know i know you are resilient you know you have this inherent resilience in you uh but did you you know at any point try considering like external help or you know a support system maybe therapy did you do that no like not really i didn't okay. need mental health therapy basically okay. because there were people around me who like who understood me so i was fine like one of my tutors she became the person who i used to go to uh, edit my writing you know my earliest poems so she she was very helpful okay okay at school you know i had that phase when i had to go to the in house counselor for some help but other than that i didn't need any help because my mother actually kept a person for me like he used to drive me around he still there so that person helped me a lot like we are uh, we can we can call him my big big brother sort of okay okay so that one person was nice okay yeah then other than that uh, as i started growing my 
you know social media presence i found more people one of them is community thank you so much for yeah. doing that so i think we'll we'll wrap it up you know we'll we'll wrap this episode with this one last question uh what yeah. is what do you think body positivity is you know what is body positivity to you this body positivity word i came across uh, uh with you only. like i used to read your uh verses i used to read what you had to say about body shaming so i started understanding from that but basically on a lower level on my personal level it is uh, about being happy with who you are that's the first step and the second thing is uh, you have to boost yourself you know? like uh, you read your old work you go back to the times when you were young you try to find the happiness in your in yourself you know you try to find happiness in the bond you have created and you have nurtured so that kind of a thing i think uh, i really resonated with this point you said you know like we stop being children when we become adults and i don't think we should really do that no i became an adult before i actually turned 18 so it's like it's a lot i get where you're coming from yeah like i get i do get that perspective but like you said you know like when we go back to our you know the inherent happier times when we were the best version of ourselves yeah so like at first i used to believe that uh, okay being wise is better but now sometimes i feel like i should not have turned this wise this early okay okay i i think i understand that yeah but it had it uh, you know uh, like people started looking up to me people started uh, like understanding how it is to live life from me so both ways i guess true true that is so true so any closing thoughts before we you know finish this episode anything else you might want to share yeah the first thing is whoever you are you have to find an interest that keeps you going you know you have to find an art or you can it can be anything it can be writing poems it can be singing it can be anything but keep an interest that helps you escape from your reality you know it's it's like it's both ways but sometimes you have to have that so before we end this episode uh, any closing thoughts from you kumarpal any other uh, you know thoughts you might have to share like uh, you have to find something that helps you escape you know like you know, otherwise you know it will be dwelling on all that people tell you, you no know, it can be anything or you can start writing or you can start thinking or like there are a lot of things so basically finding outlets to express yourself yeah yeah express yourself and you know find some spiritual guidance also for so that also can help i think like you're right at the end of the day it's a mixture of different things having the right support system you know yeah. being kind to one another yeah that, that is there also 
that really helps yeah so it was like it was a pleasure talking to you and i'm really glad we got yeah. to do this today yeah i hope to do something more next time yeah definitely we will be working together on projects and i'm a fan of your work i i was reading this uh, line from you the other day that said you know the train doesn't stop if you don't wake up life said yeah yeah thank so you yeah it it resonated a lot with me your poetry always does so wishing you the best and i'm looking forward to read more of your work yeah you too yeah thank you for joining hope you get some time to write like before i will i will okay, i definitely will thank you for joining yeah okay bye, bye. i'm just take care yeah you too bye bye Why when you can Why when you can Taste the thrill with Coca-Cola and Six Flags. Save up to 50% on tickets with promo code Coke at sixflags.com.